Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. Happy holiday season. This is coming to you at the end of the year. Uh, So I hope this finds you all honoring your rhythm as we head out of the winter solstice, perhaps going inward, reflecting on what's been and where you want to go, and all that wonderful stuff. Given that the end of the year is approaching, I thought we would be remiss not to check in on this current unfolding season of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. As we all know, it's been a very epic season, and I think we all went into it expecting it to be an epic season, mostly because of the scandalous news regarding Jen Shaw and her arrest for fraud and money laundering and all sorts of stuff. But what's been so interesting to me, and I think to a lot of others, is that in a season that actually features the criminal indictment of one of the main cast members, um, it seems to almost be the least interesting storyline. Or at the very least, I will say, in terms of looking at the group as a whole, when I'm looking at this cast of characters probably the last person I'm drawn to is Jen, and I'm just fascinated by what's going on with almost every single other woman and how they're responding to the situation, but also responding to other things that are going on. This just feels like such an unhinged season to me and feels almost like the theater of the absurd. And I find myself truly at times not even knowing what I'm watching. So I just thought it seems like the perfect time and opportunity to stop by Salt Lake City, see if we can broach some issues, dig around intuitively a little bit and see what we turn up and what wants to be revealed, perhaps about these women, perhaps about ourselves, perhaps about all of humanity in general. And who better to do that with me than old friend of the podcast, my friend, my colleague, my fellow traveler on this uh, deep, dark, real housewives journey, Piper Sample. Hello, Piper. Hi, Jamie. How are you today? I am doing okay. I'm doing good. I'm winding down the end of the year. Totally fascinated again by this i loved your description of theater of the absurd that was just such a (laughs) it was so genius i loved that yeah that's what it feels like to me i i i'm i'm looking forward to diving in okay great so in the spirit of this kind of chaotic madcap season that seems to have no rhyme or reason i don't really have a specific plan for going into this i thought we could just jump in and see where it takes us and we we haven't really talked much even amongst ourselves about the season so this is very fresh this is hot off the presses for both of us (laughs) i know where i get drawn i mean i'll just say it i mean i've been so drawn to meredith this whole time and just truly the rage coming through her and her obsession with Jen and also her her defiant 
defense of Mary, or at least I don't know if it's defense, but her her alignment with her, her concern for her, whatever is going on with her and Mary, that's t- where I tend to start to go first. But I'm curious for you, when we just kind of lay out the buffet of these women mm-hmm. from the Housewives of Salt Lake City, who's been grabbing you this season or where are you drawn? I mean, I hate to say it, but Lisa Barlow is like, I am what? the hell is going on with this woman right now i mean she was something last season but there's an anxiety that i i sense from her that is so um fascinating the way it plays out in every conversation that she has her defensiveness for others for herself like it's just this constant narrative when even something's going on with Mary and Meredith or anybody, anybody, she's just like right in the middle of it. So I I think I'm not going to be able to keep her out of this conversation for sure. Cause I'm just like, (laughs) I I just, I don't even know really what to say yet, but um, I'm so interested in your take also on what you're seeing related to her like even just like her so over the top response, you know, calling, I guess her bevy of attorneys that she has. I mean, so many of them, like, I, I mean, I have so many questions. All right, well, let's get into it. I guess I just have to give myself permission to uh, go no holds barred into it. I, I don't actually know if I've talked about this on this podcast, but I feel myself hesitating a little because I've heard from Lisa. She's listened to this podcast. We had a really beautiful DM exchange. Uh, She sent me a birthday bottle of Vita tequila. So my own personal experience of Lisa is is a positive one. She's been very kind and generous and I, I have personally liked her. So I feel myself hesitating a little bit, but I also know that, you know, we're here to do what we're here to do. So I just got to mm-hmm. get into it and uh, put all that aside and just deal with what's on TV. So having said that, that's what I'm going to do right now. I agree with you. I mean, I agree with your initial hit about the feeling and the energy and the experience of anxiety And I agree with you that it seems to come up in every situation. I mean, I was also so taken by her response to Jen's arrest, which I feel like that alone could be its own deep dive episode. Slowing down all the wheels that turned and all the different stages of whatever you call that. She calls it trauma. All the stages of trauma that she went through in response to that. It was like this runaway train that kind of cycled through tears and grief to throwing everyone under the I mean she threw Meredith under the bus then she I forget she threw someone else under the bus too she was sort of planting all these seeds about what different people knew and then she was calling her lawyers then she was crying for Jen then she was crying for Stu and I remember just watching this thinking what is going on with her right now and I find myself thinking that in so many of these scenes, to your point, the faux pho lunch, um, again, <laughs> I was just sort of watching her really wondering, like, what's your skin in this game? Like, what's the agitation? And then just overall, in general for Lisa, I've been wondering about what is her end game with all of this? What's at stake for her this season? Even just the way she's navigating the situation with Mary. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the ether and online about You know, first of all, this question of, you know, is Lisa purposely bringing this guy on to this guy, Cameron, her friend, to start 
planting the seeds, which, you know, Whitney's and Heather feel very adamant about this, that Lisa is pulling a little bit of a Lisa Vanderpump. She's producing the show. She's getting things out there. And, you know, assuming that that's true or there's truth to that, you know, there's this question for me of why, you know, why, why is she doing this? Is it to produce the show? There are people out there who seem to think that it's as simple as Mary and Lisa got into it earlier on one of their excursions. There was that little tete-a-tete where I guess Lisa made a comment about like, I have to go Google that. Mary got really upset. She kind of accused her of making a racist comment. There are people who think that because of that moment, that point of conflict, Lisa is now exacting revenge against Mary by kind of bringing out this friend of hers who could basically uh, dig up the dirt in a very public way. I notice that I, I feel reluctant to buy into that just because it seems so I don't know I mean maybe it's just I'm giving her too much of the benefit of the doubt it just feels so petty and kind of one plus one equals two and really they have one little conflict and now she's gonna bend over backwards to orchestrate this whole scheme I don't know to me it doesn't immediately resonate but at the same time it does leave me with this question of well what again what's the end game what's the intention how conscious is she of what she's doing because one thing I do know that I see with my own eyes is that she clearly is playing the middle. Just the way she represents herself to Mary and then the way she represents herself to Whitney. And in this past episode, hearing her say to Whitney, I believe Cameron 100%. And, you know, I just pause right there and I say, well, if you believe him 100%, I just don't understand what I'm watching. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand this line you're towing. I don't know what the end game is. I don't know what your motivation is. And again, just circling back to your point, sometimes it just almost feels to me like this frenzied flurry of anxiety where she's just kind of like a wild hose spitting water everywhere. And I don't even know if she understands or knows what she's doing or if she is just constantly having some sort of automated default response that comes from somewhere so deeply unconscious in her. I mean, like when I tap in, it feels like a need for control in a very volatile situation, in a situation where she actually has no control and no real understanding herself of what Mm. is going on. So I have a sense that she's trying to get to the root of things, Mm. like by having these conversations to kind of be in control of the narrative on Mm. some level, to be in the know. Which, you know, I I respect that. It's like, okay, yeah. You know, like if you don't know what's going on, get your facts straight, figure out what you need to do. But like when she was calling all the attorneys, it felt like, okay, I could buy the idea that maybe she she wants the legal opinions on, on maybe what this means for her friend Jen. But I almost had a sense of, okay, like, does this mean something for you? Are you involved? I, I don't know anything about their business, but it it was so intensive and she had such a big reaction where the other women were just like, whoa, what the heck is going on? She It felt protective to me. Like she was needing to protect something. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I didn't take it to a place of there's something fraudulent about Lisa's businesses or she's in criminal cahoots with Jen. I don't Jen. think she is, but do her and Jen have any business together well, that could Im- be impacted? Right. I mean, to your point, I mean, that is the more of the way, because even when you said 
oh, I get wanting to like find out information about what does this mean for Jen. And my first thought was, no, no, I don't think it was about what does this mean for Jen. I think it's about what does this mean for her. And I think Mm -hmm. what comes to me in this moment as you're saying that is this, as Lisa, this feeling and this experience of I've had this woman's back. I've been very vocal about calling her a friend. I am very concerned about what things look like. And I'm also very concerned about how things could impact me. I mean, similar to what we saw in Beverly Hills, which, by the way, I think is totally normal and reasonable. So, yeah, there's this experience of, I think to your point, something's happening that's beyond my control. I think that in and of itself is something that's very difficult for Lisa to tolerate. But not only am I in a situation that's beyond my control... First of all, my ass might be on the line because I've been going to bat for this woman. I might look like a total asshole now. I'm really, I really care about how things look and also how might this impact me just even legally in all the ways I don't understand the situation yet. So what I'm hearing from you and it feels true and right to me is this notion of holy shit. There is a situation here that has spun out of my control. It has possible ramifications for me. This is so hard for me to tolerate. This is is the place where I cannot sit still and breathe. Let me move into action and fix this right fucking away now. And to me, even just saying that, it just starts to make so much more sense of just her... Yeah, just these bids for control. This is how I feel. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing now because she just can't sit still with the lack of control. And it's interesting because I just watched that episode um, where they were at that peaceful lunch. That was <laughs> the, What I saw was when Mary was trying to have this conversation with Jen, Lisa kept butting in. It was like... She couldn't just let them have this exchange that was going on because it was almost like it was implying, it, this is the way it felt to me, like if Mary and Jen get this worked out, I don't have like, I don't have Jen's back. Something like, I need to be the most important person to everybody in some way or to the people that I find important for me because obviously she could give a shit about Heather and Whitney (laughs) in a lot of ways. I mean, she literally rolls her eyes every time their names are mentioned, but it was like she couldn't just let this conversation go because it was like it was saying something about her instead of it was about Jen in this moment and Mary. Like I felt her protecting something so intensely and I wasn't clear, like, this is where you were saying, like, I don't really know what's going on. It's like, what is your investment in whether or not Mary and Jen resolve something here? Why do you have to keep, I don't even remember what she said. Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, what was, I just, I literally just watched this. She kept chiming in. Now you're going to make me want to go look. Um, I know. I just will have to watch it after. But anyway. I mean, should I just quickly? I mean, hold on. I've got it right. Let me just bring it up. I had no idea. So this is Jen's protesting her innocence. You're not guilty. Okay. So initially it's like Mary's trying to talk to Jen and she's like saying, so you're not guilty. And uh, Jen's saying, yeah, I have to go through 
the whole process and then Lisa's chiming in saying she's got to go through due process. You're completely scared that they might frame you? I'm or... afraid because how the f did they even come? I'm just asking. So then Mary's saying, and so you're scared. So I guess Mary's trying to get clarity. And so Mary's yes. saying, so you're scared because you think they're trying to frame you. And then Lisa interjects saying, it's her fighting the federal government. She's got to go through due process. So Lisa kind of keeps chiming in, in a way to speak for Jen. It's almost like she's trying to, in a way, I mean, on the surface, broker something between her and Mary. It's almost like she's picking up the mantle of, Okay, I'm the one who's got Jen's back or is on Jen's side now. So let me try to explain it to you, Mary, is kind of the spirit of her frequent interjections. Right. As if Jen can't say that for herself when Jen was actually calmer. You know, Jen usually totally freaks out. And instead, it's like what I saw, Lisa took on what Jen usually does. You know, maybe she was picking up on something. You know, maybe maybe Lisa the anxiety has something to do with how emotional people get and she takes it on for them or something because she's often in a place of defending something and it's like it's with a very mm, that's not what's happening that's not what's happening that's not what's happening without ever really taking in what is being said well it's interesting you say that because when you talked about lisa needing to be in control and managing things for example in this situation it brought me back to just how she's been navigating her entire friendship with jen this whole time and which my i mean i've got different takes on this one of my takes on it is that i believe her last season when she said that there was part of her that, you know, once the dust settled from the whole debacle of the Vegas trip, that she had this moment where she really took in Jen's vulnerability and that it touched her. And I, and I, I believed her when she said that. And my sense for her from that time has been like when, when she takes Jen in and she takes Jen's vulnerability in that, yes, it touches her. And also it's so hard for her to tolerate it. Because mm -hmm. if she fully lets herself feel Jen's vulnerability in that place, then it'll take her into her own vulnerability. And I think that's a place that's very hard, you know, to our point, it's very hard for her to tolerate kind of stillness and feeling herself, I think, on a deeper level because she just wants to go, go, go. And so I kind of felt part of what was going on at the beginning of the season was, okay, Jen, like, I see your vulnerability. Let's just fix it. Like, we're just going to we're going to do it. We're going to fix it. and We're going to move on. And then in that place where she wants to move on, it's almost like she can't fully take in what Meredith is saying, because if she does, then she has to, I think, surrender into a deeper complexity of what is going on here. Maybe we aren't going to be able to put a Band-Aid on this. I'm going to have to kind of sit in the gray area where everything's not resolved. And once again, I'm going to have to feel something here I don't want to feel. So my experience of Lisa in that whole situation was, yeah, I'm taking something in that feels very vulnerable for Jen. Let me just make it work, slap on a Band-Aid, get them all together. And if, if other information's coming in, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it. Let's just move on. Let's just do it. Um, and so there's something for me about that here as well, about the way she takes in information, what it brings up in her 
to be involved, how she tries to fix things. I wanted to ask you if you felt her protection. When? Towards Jen in this moment or? Yeah, like even because last season I I did. I also really, I mean, and I don't dislike her at all. Um, I, I felt like she understood Jen's vulnerability, like you said. Like I remember talking about this with you. Like there was something that we saw, like she understood something about Jen's position of whatever. I think we were even talking about, you know, the racial piece of it Mm -hmm. um, last time. So I, I like what you're saying. There's a vulnerability that's hard for her to tolerate. And I was wondering if you recognized like her, because it feels like a proactive defending that comes against something that doesn't need protection or defense, but in her projection, She's feeling like in order to be the good friend, because this is another piece that I was wondering, Jen has made it pretty clear what she expects of loyalty and of friends and people that have her back, like they don't let her be attacked, you know? So I think somehow she's also playing into Jen's expectation around what a true friend does in these circumstances. For sure. And I think, I mean, I felt at this particular meal more of Lisa's self-protection, which in a way I feel like you're speaking to in the sense of, okay, I'm showing up as a friend now. I mean, I I think you're more tapped in perhaps to her actual feelings of protection for Jen. But what, yeah, what came through me was this sense of in the way that Lisa will kind of speak out of both sides of her mouth (laughs) and she sort of, she's been getting caught over and over This felt more to me like I'm stepping in to speak up for Jen now to be playing this part, as you're saying, of the loyal friend because this somehow protects me from being identified or called out as being two-faced in some way. I mean, she's really good at what she does in a way. I mean, there's a way in which she's totally sloppy, right? Which is why we're all these people are having these conversations. But there's a way that you can see that if the cameras aren't on her to kind of reveal all the different situations, she's really good at what she does. I mean, even the way she sat there with Whitney and talked about, yeah, you know, I went to Mary and I asked her some questions and I, I I mentioned Cameron. It's it's you can see how she had enough of a conversation with Mary to be able to come back and say, no, no, I was direct. I was totally honest. It's totally clear. But we know from watching it, there's a way in which she's not truly, truly presenting the true energy and tone and spirit of the conversation. Right. And so there is this way that she talks out of both sides of her mouth. And there's this way that she walks with it where she's very careful and she she knows how to play certain parts in the moment. And to me, that just felt like one of those moments of I'm stepping in here to play the part of the loyal friend because this is the narrative I've got going. And if anyone tries to come back with, well, you said this about that. It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to put in a language, but it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the part now. I'm stating my case. I'm getting it in there. This is who I am. This is how I, you know, walk the situation. And, you know, to your original point, I'm, I'm in control. I'm controlling my own narrative here. Yeah. And 
to your question you had when we opened about whether or not she's conscious of it, that remains to be kind of the bigger question. I think people that tend to talk out both sides, you know, genuinely mean it, you know, on both sides. And there's a way she can't say I'm on both sides. Like instead of just saying, I see I see this and I see this. It's not black and white for me. She sticks to something very black and white feeling, but in two different <laughs> sides. Right, right. Well, so what's coming to me, because I love what you said about the possibility. I mean, and, you know, as always, I'm coming from the plus from the viewpoint that multiple things can be true at once. And actually what I'm getting about Lisa is it feels like a lot of things are true about her at once, which is maybe part of why I like her and I find her so fun Mm -hmm. because there is something so dynamic and actually very charming about her. But what I'm here, part of what I love of what you said was talking about that possible thread that she's actually, you know, let's say very empathic, that she's very sensitive. Right. And so she feels things really deeply And there's something in her that does want to, um, so let's just go with that for a second. There's something in her that's able, if we, if we talk about the higher self version of talking out of both sides of your mouth, like I see, like you're saying, I see both sides. There are different points of view. I want to walk a middle ground. I kind of want to hold in a way I want to hold a space for the complexity and the nuance. Right. But then you pair that. So you've got this set potentially sensitive empathic person who wants to kind of hold space for it all but then you pair that with someone who is scared to tolerate that very sensitivity and her go-to mechanism is to make things black or white or to shut things down so then you have someone who in essence is talking out both sides of her mouth and in the moment saying things And then saying other things over here, I think, and I think you agree, in large part from a place of fear. And so Mm -hmm. then when she gets called out on it, it's kind of like, and we spoke about this with the reunion, it's almost like she experiences as like an attack. It is an attack against her goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This is what I think she's fighting for. But then let me ask, so let me bring in the question that I started all this with where are you in terms of her relationship with this guy Cameron him coming onto the show and this whole thing going on with Mary well I'm not sure what her intention is I mean that guy was mic'd up and ready to go right and you know again this is always my question with the production of any of these shows like is that her is, is she saying, I've got dirt? Is this, is this the producer saying, I want to bring this, uh, this is going to be part of the storyline here? Because look, I mean, I've had questions about Mary from the very beginning. So if I'm a producer on this show, I'm like, what is going on with this church of hers? Like, what is happening with this woman? She, like, she is a character. There is something, something about Mary. <laughs> there is something about Mary. Like, she is coming off really in my my eyes very poorly <laughs> it's so funny cuz like, i know i know that you don't follow 
the the zeitgeist you're not plugged into kind of the response like i just love how you're stating that opinion as if it's this uh like hot take i mean i think most people are feeling that mary is coming off very poorly this oh, season. They do? Okay. oh yeah no she's i mean there are people saying that again kind of jen's the one who's being indicted and yet people are find mary more unlikable and are ready for her to be the one to leave the show yeah, even, I mean, and this is like another piece of that lunch, like Mary comes in there, re- like ready to have Jen be guilty of this, right? Like, she's sure that Jen knew about this. She's not asking this. She's like, she the questions that she's asking, the way that she's asking these, is like, you're trying to tell me you didn't know anything about this. Like, for me, that was the tone of it. And to me, that said more about her, <laughs> Like the things that are being said against her, like, wouldn't you, if you were someone in her position where I would imagine all sorts of people are saying things about her, she's got to know that people say things badly about her and her way that she runs her church. So she's hearing this kind of stuff all the time. So wouldn't she say something to like, to Jen, I really know what this is like to be accused of things and not know anything about it instead of, so what you're trying to tell me is that you don't know anything here. The tone of it just felt like she was saying, yeah, I know all about what people are saying about me. It's, it's interesting. I had a different take. I actually, that was the Mm. one part of Mary that I really appreciated this episode. Uh, I, I, you know, I, cause I just felt like, especially after the whole, you know, watching the way everything unfolded on Beverly Hills to me, it felt like a reasonable reaction in the sense that, you know, in my opinion, Jen is more than likely guilty of these charges. Like, you know, to, to Mary's point, you know, the federal government doesn't mess around. I just don't see why, they would frame Jen. And and let me actually bring in a little bit of personal transparency here, but I'll keep this very, very general. Um, I know someone who was convicted of white collar crime pretty recently. This is this is something recent that happened in my life. Uh, it didn't happen in my life, but it's, you know, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person to this day protests their innocence. You know, so, you know, you know, I and certain people around me were in a somewhat similar situation as this group of women. And so I'll just say for me, <laughs> okay, so admittedly, no, I did I have this conversation with this person? No. But the conversation mm-hmm. for me was similar uh, to what Mary was presenting at the lunch, which was basically, look, why would the government falsely prosecute this person you know it just it doesn't make any sense and you know there were other people in my uh in my circle who wanted to just be blindly loyal um and but also let me just say something I want to really differentiate (laughs) where I'm different from Mary I'm still willing to stand by someone's side hold space for them see their humanity I'm totally willing to walk that journey with you but I'm also not going to sit here and like pussyfoot around and pretend like I believe your protests of innocence. I mean, it's just. You saw her line of questioning coming from a different place. Yeah. I saw her line of questioning coming from a place that said, let's be real. Like, let's be real. And it's strange because that's, that's the, the catch or not the catch 22. That's the, um, 
how do you say this? That's the discrepancy. That's the contradiction of Mary, where half the time she's not even here. She doesn't seem in reality. She's having responses that don't even seem she's like a bad improviser. She's having responses that don't organically flow from what's been said to her. But then there are these other times where she really drops into something that feels incisive and on target. And for me, I personally was relieved to have someone at that lunch be saying to Jen, so what you're saying, the the government just framing you like, so you're, you're, you're telling us that you're completely innocent. You didn't know anything about this because even as I say it, it's so incredulous. I mean, it's just, it's so improbable that Jen's not even coming up with some middle ground of, Oh, there, I mean, at least the person in my life, had the good sense to do that. They came up with a middle ground story and it was a misunderstanding and da 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 da. Jen's not even doing that. She's just running with her usual victimization routine, which is just ridiculous. So yeah, I did appreciate Mary's voice in that particular moment. Now, maybe you're right. Maybe it was coming from somewhere that was actually more rooted in her own culpability in her life. But even if that's true, I still appreciate it. It's still coming from a place of reality. And I appreciated that in this moment, especially since it seems what's going on with the rest of the women in Jen now is we're all just going to kind of go with Jen's story in front of her face, even though we're all kind of rolling our eyes behind her back. It's a very strange lay of the land now. Well, I think Jen is, she's been sort of labeled as scary. Her reactions are really volatile. And I think um, someone who recognizes volatility, they're like you were saying with Lisa, there's going to be a protection that comes in because you do not want that wrath coming towards you. But I don't know what they're afraid of. I'm not sure exactly what she would do, but when she loses it, she has a cruelty that's there, but I don't know what they stand to lose at this point. When you were saying earlier about like, I don't even know what I'm watching. How, how can Jen be saying right now, they're all going to wish that they were had my back when the truth comes out. And really be meaning that. Like, it's clear that she's guilty, right? Like, it's very clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's very clear. So it's like she's lying to everybody's face right there and playing a victim. Even in the car when she was talking to Heather about not understanding why Lisa needed time, you know, to get back to her. Like, she expects everybody just to show up and be there. Yeah, I mean, I have several things to say. I mean, going back to Lisa and um, how she gets into trouble by speaking out of both sides of her mouth. You know, I was watching that lunch and it was so interesting to me because I'm completely fine with Lisa taking time and taking a pause to process what's going on. Um, I mean, I think the only thing if I were working with Lisa, perhaps the only thing I would tweak is maybe she could have just texted Jen to say, hey. I want to acknowledge, you know, that you've been reaching out to me. I need some time and space just to get clear on, you know, how I feel. I'm, you know, I'll reach out to you soon. But whatever. Big picture. I'm totally down with her taking time. Like, she, I don't even think she needed to say anything oh. about that to Jen. I don't think that at all. I think she was smart in taking. That was like the first time I've ever seen her take time. 
Exactly. But what was so interesting to me was that she didn't have her own back with that at the lunch. And then she started making it about what had happened before the trip and my feelings were hurt. And I just sat there and I really was thinking for myself, Lisa, why are you not just owning the fact that this was a really big thing to happen? It had an impact on me. I took some time to process it. The end. And to me, that's part of where she's getting into trouble because this is such a easy opportunity for you to just be direct about what's going on with you and to be honest in that way. And instead, you're 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 driving the car around it and it's making you look shady. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand what the impulse was there to not have her own back and just keep it exactly where it was, which was I needed some time and space to deal with this. I think because, again, her empathetic nature, like when somebody is going through something that impacts you, but it's actually happening to the other person, you have that awareness. Like this isn't, I'm not the one being indicted for this, you know, like I, I don't know if she thought that through, but I think she needed in some way this is the way it feels to me, some sort of shield or mm, protection to say, actually, I was already feeling attacked by you because of this other thing that had happened. And then this thing went down. So I was still processing something that you really hurt me in. And then this came on top of that. And I didn't know where I was with you. I don't know what we, I don't know who you are. Because I think Jen is so, you know, talk about someone that she polarizes her her responses to things quite a bit. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that is very confusing for someone who's trying to have her back. And she was treated very badly in this other conversation that was had. So she was still processing that. Then this other thing goes down and she's not sure what to make of this. And so... She tried to say that in the beginning and Jen started getting more emotional. How do you think this feels for me? And Lisa's saying, I get that. You're allowed to have that feeling, but let me have this. And Jen's like, no, you don't get to have that, right? So you really actually believed her and felt it was true when she was saying, I was really affected by what happened. And then on the heels of that, there was the arrest. And it that's interesting. I think so. I, I mean, I do. I, I I mean, Jen does that, right? Like she's really great with people and then she tears them apart. So when something like this goes down, who? what are you believing? The good side of Jen or the other side? I think there is that deep split in Jen that people that love her, it's a very confusing person to be around someone that loves you and then treats you that way, that harshly in the next breath. It's so interesting. I love I love that we're sort of coming at this from opposite sides because when Lisa brought in what happened before Vale, I kind of had Jen's initial response of, wait, what? <laughs> You're bringing, th-? like she was just arrested and indicted on all these charges and her life is, you know, basically going down the tubes and you're bringing up Vale now? I, I, I don't know. I mean, when I hear you articulate your perception of what Lisa was saying. I was like, oh, actually, that makes sense. I mean, that does make sense to me. Like, hey, something happened that impacted me. 
Then this arrest happened. I needed a beat. Somehow I didn't take it in that way Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I was hearing Lisa describe it. I almost felt like Lisa wasn't fully owning the voice that wanted to say, I needed time and space to process this. And it was almost making this more about what happened prior to the arrest. And that was the place where I was a little bit like, I was rolling my eyes like, wait a second, you're you're making this about that issue now and you're bringing this into it. And I guess part of it too, and I'd be curious to hear what you have to say. I mean, see, this is what I'm saying. I think this is part of why this season of Salt Lake City is so confusing. Again, I feel like we could have a whole episode just about this one lunch. There's so many things going on. But what I want to say is I think part of what I'm realizing is, and we talked about this actually with Erica Jane and her performative emotions, with Lisa, I do think there are things that she feels deeply. And then I also think she knows unconsciously how to perform emotions when she's scared or nervous if she wants to control things. So a lot of the times the way she's navigating these conversations, and this was one of them, I just, you know, and she starts talking about how she was losing sleep over, you know, how Jen treated her and she still had to be a mom and, and show up to work. And I'm like, wait a second, let's, let's just slow this down a bit. Like, you're really, I mean, it's it's the Meredith Marks, uh, I've been terrorized and traumatized for two, these people are giving Jen a lot of power. But, you know, for me, I just was questioning, there was a way in which it felt performative. And so I think that threw me off. And then the other piece that I want to bring in here too is also what led up to that fight with Jen in the first place, which was Lisa sitting her down and purposely bringing up this embarrassing thing that had happened in the tabloids as a way to undermine her potential friendship with Whitney. So it was an example of Lisa getting her hands dirty. Now, I'm not saying that justifies Jen's behavior, But I think it's part of why I wasn't taking 100% seriously what Lisa was saying about the impact it had on her because I felt like there was a way she was victimizing herself when she did have a part in creating that situation. Now, having said all that, like I said, when I hear you articulate where she's coming from, I can believe believe that was her experience and that's how she was processing it. Yes. I didn't get it until you articulated, though, I think because of all the things that I just mentioned. And this is why she and a lot of the season, I think, feels like such a clusterfuck to me because I'm just like, what what is going on here? And to sort of piggyback the outrage or the the deep hurt feelings, it's like she's being called out by Jen right here as a bad friend. You're a bad friend to me the only good friend was heather big eye roll you know from lisa like and me (laughs) i could imagine yeah i could imagine lisa at that point going what about the three hours average daily that i was having these conversations with you i gave you my best self like behind the scenes, not in front of cameras. Who are you? You're calling me a bad friend right now when you took me out in public and I'm still licking my wounds from that. And now you're telling me that I'm a bad friend because I needed a beat. I mean, I kind of want to also look into this because Meredith and Lisa, they were the ones that kind of had this little deeper seemingly connection. And that has definitely 
there's been some sort of split in that this this round. Oh, for sure. That I've been noticing and that whole scene where Meredith was like, I'm out. Lisa was like, don't leave me here. Like, I need you here. I was like, what is that about? I do not. I just didn't get that whole thing. To me, all. it felt like a ploy. To get her back over. Yeah. You didn't believe I, I didn't believe it for one minute, but I was like, why are you even using that? Is that what Meredith falls for? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like there's something much like we talked about with Erica there. It feels like Lisa learned somewhere along the way how to perform certain emotions to get what she wants and needs. I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest Whitney fan. Uh, I mean, Whitney's all. We could, I mean, this could be a 10 hour conversation. I know, I know. Um, I agree. But, you know, Whitney did, I remember her mentioning that, you know, earlier in the season where she's like, okay, this is kind of, you know, Lisa has a sort of playbook and when she's cornered, she'll go to the tears, you know, and kind of, and that's just yeah. what this felt like. And I, I, I felt like for me, again, I, it, it's still unclear to me what's really going on on a really specific level with Lisa, but I felt like the general flavor of that lunch was things are spinning away from me. And if Meredith walks out, if Meredith is taking a stand against me, if Meredith's not being a loyal friend to me, and I'm so aware of like Heather and Whitney, the peanut gallery that, you know, as Lisa, and, and actually I don't think it's just as Lisa, I think it's true. They want to see me taken down and they would delight in it. It's like the wheels are coming off the car and it felt almost like that schoolyard thing of like embarrassment and humiliation and shame. Like I'm being left behind by my only friend. I don't have any allies in this. Um, I'm, you know, I'm getting, you know, she said they keep attacking me. I think for her, it is this experience of like, I'm getting confronted. I'm getting called out. Um, and yeah, I don't have a shield. I feel vulnerable here in this place where I'm not in control of the situation. So I'm going to do anything to get Meredith, my bestie, who has a sort of power and rank in this group, I feel like. I'm going to do anything to get her by my side, almost just to show Whitney and Heather, like, uh uh-uh. (laughs) No, no. Like, she's still here with me. I'm still, like, driving the bus. This is still happening. And I can't help but, like, I I literally imagined them. I do this often. Imagine them at a certain age. And I just pictured all of them in middle school at this pho party, you know, tea party in the, in the gardens and like all of this going down, like on a playground. And I was just so struck by, like you said, the two eating popcorn, like what's next? Like I'm just observing this whole thing. So I have ammunition for later. I'm packing away all the details of this very moment so that I can take people down later you know that's happening in one corner jenny i i mean the idea behind like that she set the table for for this and she ended up (laughs) inviting meredith and mary to the same party you know she's got her hand in something the the thing that i just want to make sure we don't miss because we don't have to spend a lot of time on it but she keeps you know popping up in all of this heather and her relationship with jen Piper, I'm curious what you make of this. Maybe this is crazy, but I just have this persistent, consistent sense that so much of 
Heather's drive to be this totally great, reliable friend to Jen throughout this whole season is at least in part, if not largely motivated by somehow like sticking it to Lisa showing what a real friend is i'm the real friend like 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 she's proving some sort of fucking point connected to lisa and lisa's friendship with jen i think i'd need to know more of the history of their friendships before the show but if we're just talking about the show my take on it is what i've seen in heather is she lived a life a good mormon life where her world was centered around being, I, I mean, I, I know a little of the Mormon faith. I know what you're taught around loyalty and devotion and yeah, what you don't see, what you just turn off in order to maintain this, this faith. You don't ask questions. You don't you know, there's a certain way that she was socialized as a good human being. And then she divorced her husband. And I think she lost a lot when she did that. I mean, even a spiritual component of this, that the belief is that her eternal life is also fucked now because she's not going to be with her family. You know, that's, I think, what they're taught. So she took a big risk to go this route. And I think that plays into the way she sees people that maybe are look a certain way or, you know, to others appear to be bad or wrong. Like she's kind of like, you don't really know what's going on. You don't, you don't know really what's happening. So I, I think that what I kind of was wanting to believe was that she was understanding that Jen is complicated, you know, that she has this way that she turns on people, but that inside, you know, she, she wants to believe she's a good person. And I think that she genuinely wants to see that in people. Now, I don't know what she sees in Lisa, like if Lisa is that big of a threat to her for, you know, some, there's some threat that she feels there, but I'm not sure what that is about exactly. And so I don't, I guess I don't see it the way you're saying it, but I can see it when you say it, you know, kind of like the same way you were talking about Lisa, right? I don't, I don't look for that first. So I kind of make up this idea that it's coming from a place of knowing what it's like to have a lot of people against you mm -hmm. and wanting to be no questions asked. I am going to be here for you no matter what. Mm, that's interesting. Like what she wanted. Yes. Yeah. What she needed, what she wanted. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, much like you're saying, as I hear you speak, I'm like, oh yeah, I can feel that. I can feel the truth of that. I also want to say, as you were speaking, you know, I just kind of got this flash, you know, for Heather towards Jet. And this is pre-arrest, you know, just even thinking about them making up at the start of the season. Because, you know, if you recall, Heather had a very, you know, she didn't have a great showing at the reunion. I know she took a lot of flack from viewers for just how charged and, you know, petulant she was. And it's almost like when I take Jen in at the start of the season from Heather's perspective, I I, <laughs> I hear this voice saying, I'm going to show you how good I really am. Like, I'm going to show you how good a friend I really am. Almost like because I do think that Heather and Whitney 
Uh, but Heather has this deep relationship, you know, to being the good girl. I mean, before it was all about being the good Mormon girl. And obviously, to your point, she's really challenged that. And I want to actually say I like her a lot more this season. I really do. I re- Last season, really didn't like her. Uh, just didn't believe so much of what she was saying. Uh, felt how aware she seemed of her own image. This season, I I like her more. I feel her more. And I want to say her storyline, I think it's so compelling. And um, I really feel for her there. So anyways, all that aside, though, um, yeah, in this place where I think she's she's had a lifelong investment in being good and in being the good girl. And then, you know, she comes off this reunion, you know, getting a lot of flack. And not only that, it's kind of connected to, I think, for her... She felt like she was taking a stand and, you know, she wasn't going to be silent anymore. So I could see that it maybe also kind of jabs her in this place of, oh, wait, I, I spoke up for myself and I did something wrong. I made a mess. Like, I- I'm bad. And so then it's like when I sort of see Jen across the way, it's like, OK, no, I'm going to be like the best fucking friend to you that anyone could ever have. And now this is part of the way that I'm going to show I'm good. I'm a good friend. I'm a good girl. And then. I think with Lisa, I think Lisa just represents the woman or the person who <laughs> who won't see you, you know, who won't see how hard you're trying, how much effort you put in, how good you are. And so I think there's just something there around like, I'm the good friend, not her. Yeah, totally. And I think just as you're talking about it, look, both Heather and Whitney left their Mormon roots and were totally ostracized because of it. And Lisa, she's still a practicing Mormon. If if Whitney and Heather were striving to be very good Mormons that don't drink, that don't smoke, that don't wear certain clothes, like there's a very specific way a Mormon girl looks and acts. And it's not like Lisa. And she gets away with still being Mormon. And I think there's some resentment around that. I think there is some some way that, you know, Whit, or uh, sorry, Heather was very transparent around her judgment that she had of other Mormons that weren't good Mormons. Mm-hmm. So I have this feeling like she's feels so conflicted around her own choice. She lost a lot and somebody else still gets to have what she doesn't get to have because she took a stand because she actually said, this is what I'm standing for. Where like, as we described earlier with Lisa, she plays both sides and Whitney and Heather see that and cannot stand it. It's like, pick a lane, pick a lane. I can just hear them saying, pick a lane, stop going back and forth. I don't trust you. And I don't believe you. And I think they see the way, Lisa rides in the middle from a perspective of she's being false as opposed to she's in the middle. Right. And then it, le- I mean, they have such a charge around it that they, to my mind, become obsessed with taking her down, making sure she's exposed, making sure she has to answer for everything. I mean, it's it's uncanny to me. I mean, much in the same way that like Lisa was cycling through all her, you know, hysterical emotions in the wake of Jen's arrest. It's Jen's been arrested and yet somehow 
show time and time again with Lisa, with, uh, oh God, with Heather and Whitney. It just keeps coming back to, and did you see how Lisa was responding? It's like, wait, this, this is what you're focused on? Jen's being criminally indicted and still... All you care about is making sure that everyone sees what Lisa is doing. And that's where I'm kind of like, you know, I sort of understand in some ways when Lisa is like, leave me the F alone. (laughs) Like these, they seem obsessed with taking her down. And it's, 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 that's why I kind of bring it back to like her standing in for the person who won't see them or acknowledge their goodness. There's something about like something has to get seen here. Like, I need you all to see this. I need you to see the hypocrisy because it's, yeah, it is. It's uh, to your point. It's somehow like, I feel like Whitney and Heather have both had this um, ambivalent relationship to their own goodness, right? It's like, they want to be good. Something in them feels bad because of the way that they're not completely congruent, you know, with this world. Then they actually get excommunicated despite trying to be good like they fulfill that prophecy of you know being labeled bad in some way yeah and then it's like looking at lisa yeah it's like you're making us bad when she's actually the bad one or when you're actually the bad one like you all are the bad one not us and we want it to be seen and it just feels like that it does it gets visited on lisa like the world has to see this And it feels to me, again, like what I see when I'm in a room, like a, you know, if I'm holding a group field where there are personal issues (laughs) that have the underpinnings of systemic larger pieces that aren't being addressed. They are a part of some system that there's power, there's good, bad, there's right, wrong, And that is what they are playing to, you know, like something underneath is driving this. And I don't think it's just about being seen, but like you said, being seen as good, being seen as honest, being seen as transparent, being seen as loyal. And I think the fact that they can see through Lisa's sort of waffling back and forth, they cannot seem to let that go and I would be suspicious that it has to do with all the ways that they grew up seeing people in their faith walking some sort of feels like a false false commitment false loyalty to their faith and it's it it was hard for them then they took a stand when they decided not to be like they just said I'm not going to do this anymore and lost a lot. And so I, yeah, there's something around the, it feels like a power, you know, like who gets the power. If I felt this whole group, you know, the narrative, like I was thinking about the fact that there's been so many franchises already. So Salt Lake City, it's the most recent one, right? Yep. So when I look at all these women, yeah, I just don't understand why people do this. And then because I don't understand that I'm not that type of person, I have to then go, well, they want to be seen, right? They want to be on camera. They've probably watched these shows and have an idea of how to get that storyline happening. So is part of what they're doing 
driving this, you know, narrative that gets played out is part of their motivation, I guess. Is that why it's so confusing? Because they're like, it's not super real on some level. Like they're producing the show. Yeah. I mean, I always tend to think it's both at once. Yeah, of course, there's obviously an awareness that they have a show to produce. And it also feels like, well, one, the show ends up tapping into real emotions and currents of energy. And also, two, even in the place where maybe things are produced for the sake of the show, me coming from my perspective of feeling like everything's a reflection of everything, I still feel like the pattern, the individual pattern for each of the women is going to show up in how they're doing what they're doing, the choices they make and what they're doing, like it's still going to reveal things about them and it's still going to touch on themes that are, I think, resonant to their personal journeys and then their journey as a collective group as well. Yeah, so maybe this is, if I feel it that way, maybe this speaks to the culture in Salt Lake City. It's definitely a different culture. This is a... (laughs) a place in the United States where um, it's heavily Mormon. And I know a lot of Mormons in my life. I happen to be someone that I live next door to (laughs) the Bishop of a Mormon church growing up. And so I, you know, I have a very specific, if you want to call it a general view of who Mormons are taught to be. And you, it's not a, a, a real person. You don't create conflict. You don't be in conflict. You don't ask questions, you know, that leads you to a deeper understanding of your faith. You, you are faithful. You, you take what's taught and you believe it. And if you do challenge something, you're a problem. You're seen as someone who isn't trying to know more, but questioning something that should just be believed which is very different than a lot of other faiths where the questions are welcomed. So when I think about that, I think about real, you know, a specific reality that I don't know if all of these people are totally in their background, you know, it's in their background to grow up this way, but it's definitely surrounds them. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's a certain reality that I can't seem to find it's almost like i'm watching a telenovela sometimes yeah i mean that's kind of what i was speaking to you know at the very start of this it's hard for me to even find my footing with this and then even just bringing it back to jen it's the way they're organizing around her well i was gonna say initially except for mary but then mary found her own way to collude in the whole fantasy it's like they're organizing around her accepting her protestations of innocence at face value even though we know i don't think any of them really believe she's innocent and so now there's this pretense of friendship where they all have to pretend in group settings that they believe her it's it's just like even as i articulate it i i just hear this question in my mind of what am i what am i watching And what is this? It's almost like, and then it's like, I think about that, for example, and I just get this image of kind of, you know, like there's that expression circling the drain, which I know circling the drain means, right, like something's at the point of failure. That's not actually how I mean it, though. I mean, like the image of me, it's like circling around the thing without actually going into it. Like there's the thing 
and we're just circling around it. And it's almost like that. It feels like that's what's happening with all these conflicts. Like there's something going on. And I know you wanted to get into some of this between Lisa and Meredith. And I just feel like we're circling around it. There's something that's being circled around with Lisa and Jen now. There's something being circled around between Whitney and Lisa. It's like there's something going on in all these different relationships, but we never get to the thing. Maybe that's true of other franchises, but it feels in Salt Lake City somehow more removed from the core truth of what's going on and kind of what you were saying about how the women there's a fear of Jen's response. I think it's also true of Mary, right? And, you know, again, Heather and Whitney have been speaking to that. People are scared of how Mary's going to respond. It it just feels like there's so much tiptoeing and there's so much truth that can't be said. So like with Meredith and Lisa, for example, just going back to the fracture that started since the beginning of the season, you know, I think it's clear that Meredith just feels so betrayed by Lisa's friendship with Jen. I think it's also clear that there's just things that Lisa wasn't willing to hear or take in from Meredith's side. And so again, it's like they're circling around something without ever getting to it. That's almost like what the whole lunch felt like. It's, It's just, there's all this stuff circling. I mean, again, this isn't the right use of the expression, but circling the drain without like going into the drain. And that's what I mean by this culture. You know, Mm. it's rare for Mormons to get divorced. It's rare for Mormons to address maybe like, you know, I I know someone whose family member ended up to be trans, you know, and it's like, it's just so not accepted in the larger system and what that actually means for these families. It's so big what they have to give up to actually go into something because it's their, it's their eternal life right. that is in jeopardy also based on this faith. And so if, if there's some conflict that comes up that threatens their eternal family's future, it's not just about what happens right now. <laughs> it's quaking the whole eternal life. And I would imagine there's such a, a way that this is just constantly in the larger field that there's not really a way it's taught to, Oh, there's a conflict. We go into the drain and we pull out the hair and we clear it. It's like, Nope, Nope. We'll just like pretend like, no, there's no clog down there. You know, like, Oh, the water filled, it'll eventually drain. It'll get there. It's just a little slow. Yeah, it's suddenly like as you speak what you make me aware of, and I don't mean this in a diagnosis sort of way, I just mean it in a illustrative language kind of way, but you know, I just I'm looking around at all the women at that table and I'm just like, wow, there's so many splits. You know, I mean, so you've got like Jen obviously has such a severe her I almost mean in a diagnosing way. You know, it's like her split is so deep, you know, between the criminal and the perpetual victim and what she's not willing to claim, the drain that she's not willing to go into. Mary, same thing. I mean, look, regardless of what's good, something's good where there's smoke, there's fire, there's stuff going on with that church. She ain't willing to look at it, right? And then it's like you look at Heather and Whitney who you know as we discussed like there's been you could say like there's been a split between you know the good girl that they've wanted to be the things that they are at odds with inside themselves 
you know, what's been difficult for them to claim. It's it, and I and I do. I feel like it is hard for them even to this day to perhaps claim when they have negative intention. You know what I mean? To even just claim like, yeah, Lisa, I do want to take you down. Like, I think that that would be very hard for them. And then certainly like Lisa, as we discussed, it feels like there's a real split when it comes to like her own sensitivity, you know, the places where she has fear and also her own judgment. I mean, she's another one. I mean, she never wants to own that she has judgment, you know, and she clearly has such deep judgment. And I, that to me almost goes more to your point explicitly about the Mormonism. It's almost like for me with Lisa, I experience it as, yeah, Lisa doesn't, Lisa wants to be perfect in a way. And I think she knows enough to say, I know I'm not perfect. Or she knows enough to say, oh, I don't want to be perfect. But I think even in that, there's a kind of perfectionism. And I think it's very hard for her to own like, yeah, you know what? Whitney, Heather, I fucking <laughs> I judge you. I have judgments about you. Um, so anyways, what I'm saying is I just look around that table and I just see all these splits and all these things that it's just it seems so hard for the different cast members to kind of own. Yeah. And maybe I know we're not diagnosing or, you know, <laughs> talking about character structures or anything, but. What happens when rigidity is challenged, you know, when it's threatened, you know, you usually scratch, scratch that through and something becomes exposed. Mm -hmm. And it's usually, you know, those, those splits that are there. So and I guess might be on to something. Yeah, I mean, just to clarify for people at home, rigidity is a reference to a character structure in um, a healing modality called core energetics that both Piper and I are certified in. And yeah, rigidity is, I mean, as you might ascertain from the word, it's um, it's a character structure that's, you know, yeah, overachiever, all about appearances, everything's perfect. I prove my value through my you know my accomplishments through my charm through my attractiveness I'll, yeah i'll be i'll be the the perfect it's interesting there's it actually i mean again i know neither of us are really subscribers to the character structure model but i will say it is interesting there's a lot when you look around that table there's a lot of rigidity there is a lot of rigidity just in terms of body types how they present themselves there is a lot i mean you're on to something there is a lot of rigidity at that table i don't even know like how much I believe in any of that either. Like it's just a way to, to see things. But if, if you're talking about splits, I can't help, but like feel the overlay, you know, like the, the reason these splits are being exposed has something to do with that perfection being challenged or being exposed. The fact that this show probably puts enough (laughs) pressure, pressure, you know, Well, let me just ask you, is there anything you want to say about Meredith? I mean, like I said up top, I've just been so, I mean, she has seemed unhinged to me this season. Now, I do want to say, I guess her father did die right before filming. So I kind of want to give her that grace. Like, I I think she mentioned that on the Mm -hmm. show, but she has seemed to me truly unhinged. And I mean, I remember that when they were packing up to like leave Vale and she was in her bedroom packing. And I just remember what, like there was this close up on her being like, you know, she was, she was passionately arguing on behalf of Mary, just being like, you can't just put things out there into the universe like that. Like practically near tears. So distraught and upset on behalf of Mary. And I remember just watching her just thinking to myself, what in the, what is going on with this woman right now? What is going on with her? 
in her rage towards Jen. I mean, the quiet rage of her taking in the information about the arrest. And it, it, it's, it's just interesting because I feel like wherever the drama goes now, uh, Meredith has kind of two default reactions where it's just like, kind of basically like, well, this is everything I, I, you know, I told you guys about Jen and no one wanted to listen. So there seems to be that flavor of like validation. Like I was saying something that no one would listen to. But then the other place she goes is, like I said, this ardent defense of Mary. Like, don't come for Mary when it's almost like the two are connected somehow. Don't come for Mary when no one listened to me about Jen. Oh, no one listened to me about Jen. I'm protecting Mary. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? Exactly. I'm wondering, I I was wondering if she was like, get me off of this show. Like, what is happening right now? Like, there's so much exposure. Yeah, I, I don't quite understand her. Me neither. And it's funny because when you were asking about why do people do this show, she is someone I've thought about a lot. Like, why is Meredith on this show? Because I understand she has a business, but she does not feature that business on the show at all. I mean, she seems to care less about getting exposure for her business. And I'm always sitting with what does she want out of this? Well, it feels like she's promoting her son more than anything. Well, I've thought about that. Yeah, she's promoting her son. And, you know, I I guess just to kind of go back to that kind of flash that came through me when I was talking about kind of her feeling of vindication of I tried to tell you about Jen, I really sometimes wonder about last season and, you know, how Jen outed her, I guess, infidelity is what you'd call it, or like having, you know, dating another guy while she was having trouble with Seth. And just really wondering about that. I mean, I know that Meredith was clear that she was angry. I also want to say if Meredith were embarrassed about that or self-conscious about that, she did a great job of pivoting the conversation away from that because I almost forget that's what happened. It's such a blip on the radar. And sometimes I wonder about that. Um, Is that part of what's going on here? Was there a deep deep sense of betrayal, rage, and embarrassment that she, I mean, I think on one level wouldn't want to own because she's the queen of emotional disengagement. And I think she's used to disengaging from her emotions, but also to your point about the show and rigidity, you know, if she doesn't want this on the show, that she's kind of trying to not make as big a deal out of it as it perhaps is. Because I just keep, I just, I always flash back to her at the reunion. And I thought it was so interesting that she was literally on the edge of the screen. You know, I'm disengaging. She was surly without fully engaging. You know, she almost kind of had this like, I'm above it all sort of posture. Exactly. So she had always come across to me. And in the place where she's above it all. Yeah. Was she disowning something so deep towards Jen? that she didn't want to bring to the surface, but perhaps with that, some sort of silent demand or expectation of like wanting, I don't know, people on her side somehow. And then when that wasn't sort of fully happening in the way that she wanted, I mean, I just keep coming back to this feeling of no one listened to me. I like, I told you guys about jet, which I don't even like, I don't even know quite what she's talking about there. I mean, maybe these are, I don't know these are on-camera conversations or off-camera conversations, but she's like, I had facts about Jen. Like I said, I keep feeling an exposure, like a unintended exposure. I think because she feels like she's above it all, you know, her humanity sort of got revealed. Like, oh, her life isn't perfect. 
her son was outed before he was out, uh, there were things that happened because of Jen where her family was exposed, like probably as a surprise to Meredith. So I think she just really felt a lack of trust for Jen because she was friends with her. It seemed like in the first season, like that time when she had her over, like, were they friends prior? I don't remember if they were friends prior, but they did start the season as friends, you know, and again, sticking with the theme of exposure, and I've talked about this elsewhere on this podcast. I mean, I, I, I do think it's interesting that Meredith never really took accountability for the fact that what started that whole conflict with Jen, you know, was the fact that Brooks was speaking disparagingly about Jen's genital area and in a way that, you know, as I spoke about this before, wasn't exactly kind. It didn't really give Jen the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, Brooks then, in a way, demanded that Meredith stop being friends with Jen. And, Meredith then withdrew from, you know, some sleepover that Jen was going to have. Like, Meredith turned on Jen because of her son. And I understand why Jen would feel hurt. Not that Jen deals with her hurt constructively. But Meredith had a part. And I, I think what's interesting to me about that is that it's in the theme of exposure. Because, I mean, Jen actually said this. I mean, I'm sure it's humiliating to have people talking about your vagina on national television as an intentional flash as as well like right. like somehow there was an implication that she was not being responsible with it <laughs> no they but shamed her it was shaming yes exactly it was cruel and yeah well and i'm not going to say jen isn't no cruel. jen totally this is not to excuse jen's actions but as meredith and brooks sit there playing victim there was cruelty yeah because i mean i mean you're a mom right i mean i i kept putting myself in meredith's shoes i just was like if if i had a kid a 20-year-old son who's speaking about my female coworker in this way on camera, I think I'd have something to say about it. I think I'd kind of take the wheel and steer that ship a little bit. And it was just interesting to me that Meredith was so seemingly okay to just roll with that. Look, I don't understand her relationship with her son at all. I don't understand it. I don't, I get, it's very uncomfortable for me. I don't, I don't, I mean, I do have two sons. I don't know why. I just, I don't understand the way he talks to her. I don't understand the way that she counts on him for mm-hmm. fashion advice. Like there's just something very different, I will say. It's just <laughs> different. Um, and it's, like I said, the only reason I could see her being on the show is to promote him. Her, her daughter is never on the show. Or her other son. I didn't even know she had him. Exactly. Son. There's another son. Yeah. And when all this stuff was going down, even the first season with her husband, the advice she was getting from her son, uh, there was just that whole thing about him planning this romantic oh right thing you know like i just i don't understand that at all that is not the way i lean on my children or have them yeah i i would definitely have something to say about how he was with what happened yeah i mean camera oh yeah yeah yeah. if you were if it were your son yeah i mean that's what's so interesting to me it's it's the way that she 
was so disengaged and kind of rolled over for him, you know, and then in that place of disengagement, she did something, whether it was indirectly or not, that was hurtful and that was cruel. Shaming, like you said. Shaming. Jen has a response, which no question, Jen has a problematic response, no question. But it's just interesting then that on the other side of it, there's this rage, there's this victimization, we've been terrorized. I just, there's something for me about that kind of yin and yang, the complete disengagement, the rolling over, I'm silent. And then on the other side is just sort of this world of emotion that just gets visited on Jen. And it just makes me wonder, like, if Meredith had clearer stances <laughs> on things up front, if there were mm-hmm. harder lines she was drawing, you know, would so much of that energy be disowned? Yeah, maybe that's part of what's happening this season is like, I don't have time for this. I am above this. I'm my line is no, I'm not engaging. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be a part of taking somebody down. If it comes to, you know, Mary and this business with her church, like you said, there is something where maybe she's seeing the way this is playing out. I'll be interested if she continues. Well, what's interesting to me, so part of what I talked about in a previous podcast, I I felt what was so interesting to me was that it felt to me like it was easier for Meredith to own her rage and her anger when it was on behalf of someone else. Like it was on behalf of Brooks. It was on behalf of her family, like not for herself directly. And what's so interesting to me now about the Mary thing is like, once again, she's defending someone else, not little Mary, just like not little Brooks. You don't do that to Brooks. You don't do that to Mary rather than the voice of like, you don't do this to me. And again, if, if I'm onto something perhaps with just her not wanting to really, I mean, no pun intended to engage around that kind of original sin of Jen of like bringing this stuff out that was like really embarrassing there could be something there because what I also think is interesting too is even when you're talking about her relationship with Brooks and I'll agree with you I've had similar questions you know and I've I the term emotional incest you know is something that's crossed my mind when it comes to the two of them and how enmeshed they feel but what's interesting to me about that is you know the thing about it uh, you know if we want to call it emotional incest or if we want to take terms off the table and just sort of deal with it as a certain kind of enmeshment there's a lot it's like a lack of boundaries right there's like a yeah, there's just like a, a blurring of boundaries, which to me feels like an echo of disengagement. Like I don't have clear, strong positions, feelings, boundaries about things. And then even when I have the boundaries, I'm on the side of the reunion stage, kind of just surly and I'm over it. Or to your point, I'm over what's going on this season. It just, I, oh my God, as I'm saying this, my jaw is starting to tense. Like I just feel that part of her that's like, yeah, I won't. I won't have boundaries. I won't draw a line in the sand. I won't do it. And then it it brings me back to what she shared last season. I remember when they were in Vegas, she talked about having parents who fought a lot and she was in the middle all the time. So there was like conflict happening all around her. And so to me, it always just feels like someone who, you know, I'm not allowed to have a line in the sand. I'm not allowed to have an opinion. I'm not allowed to... I don't know, something even about like taking a side, like taking a side is dangerous. If I have an opinion, I'm on one parent's side and not the other. 
it causes more conflict. It causes drama. I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly what the flavor of it is, but something suddenly I heard something about like taking a side. And so it's that Meredith. And I don't want the drama. Oh, exactly. 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 <laughs> it's safer here if I don't. Yeah. If I don't have a point of view. Yeah. And then to your point about I'm above it all, like I just drop back into the place where it's sort of Jen revealed this thing about her her again i don't know if it's right to call it cheating because i guess they were separated but whatever her her outside the marriage escapades and i just felt like what is this it's just like yeah you're not this is where my power is my power is in not so whereas jen has a false sense of power from exploding meredith's sense of power is like you are not getting this from me yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I am not engaging. You, I'm not going to let you see how deeply this impacts me. Mm-mm. Never. But then on the other side of it, she's imploding the season. <laughs> so her plan's not really working because the emotions are leaking out elsewhere. But yeah. And imagine being, again, oh, this goes right back to that sense of being exposed. It's like this isn't happening just in a friendship, not on camera. I think she has complete awareness the whole time that this is going to air and it's literally being aired. And well, and also what you were saying before when you were like, oh, things about my family are being exposed. And then I kind of felt the possibility of, and I'm responsible for this. Like yes. I did this. I brought them into this. Um, yes. Yeah. Something about that. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I feel kind of a weight of guilt mm-hmm. and like I did something wrong. And mm-hmm. yes, yeah, something I've exposed something and then i just think that's even interesting again if we go back to her history of like to what degree did she feel responsible you know Mm -hmm. for things that were going i don't know it's it's interesting right there's a definitely a responsibility in there though for sure i feel that with her for sure she carries that very seriously and maybe that's part of what she and lisa have in common because i really feel that with lisa barlow too i I think that's a huge part of the fear that drives her it's like i'm the one i gotta hold this all together like mm-hmm. I've got like it, it all falls apart. They're all I mean, I'm just hearing this voice. It's like they're all relying on me. They're mm. all relying on me. And I just got to keep it going. Although it's interesting because you talked about, oh, with Lisa, you talked about kind of a perceived threat that might not even be there. And when I mm-hmm. say that, like um, I got to They're all relying on me. I get such a deep sense of actually, Lisa, if you put it down, everything would be OK. Mm-hmm. Like whatever that maybe there was an initial threat or messaging around that somewhere early in your life. But like now mm-hmm. the threats perceived, no one's actually relying on you. I mean, in the way but, that it feels like they are like that, if you slow down or stop for one second or don't keep it all together, everything's going to fall apart. It's like, no, Lisa, actually it's not. And then I can feel it as Lisa. If I put everything down and just like, you know, go on a trip for a month and let everyone fend for themselves yeah that's where i have to tolerate like the sensitivity the fear the sadness the anger i just felt that really strong like like the voice in lisa that wants to say i'm i I don't know this is what's coming to me like i'm a little girl like or i'm a girl or i'm i don't know it's just like don't put this responsibility on me Mm -hmm. like it's not fair i don't want this response oh yeah oh that's why i brought this up right responsibility i i I don't want this responsibility Mm -hmm. not mine Oh, I feel it. And then I I feel as I'm feeling this, it's like, I think this is why she then will feel so attacked. You know, there's just something I'm just doing the best I can. I'm holding it all together. I didn't ask for this responsibility. Maybe that's why you like her. <laughs> Are you implying something about 
No, maybe that's just a place where you can see her, you know? Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I've always said that. Like, the one of the reasons why I like her is I always, I do, I feel her vulnerability. I feel her heart. I feel her love. I mean, mm-hmm. look, we could have a whole conversation about, like, <laughs> her sons <laughs> and their businesses that they're conceiving when they're three years old, apparently. But I do feel her love, you know, for her husband, for her family. And just kind of brings back to Meredith and Lisa, I can understand, like, if we were to go with this premise that Meredith really was rocked by what Jen did. And she's sort of holding that wealth of emotion inside of herself, maybe not directly stating it. I can understand, though, from that perspective, how seeing Lisa kind of sleep with the enemy It's almost like I hear this voice of Meredith saying, like, take this in. Like, why don't you see how this is impacting me? But I also question to what degree Meredith let in Lisa to the degree that it's impacted her. Exactly. And the fact that she probably, because Lisa plays these middle (laughs) rather than sides, like she's in the middle I'm wondering if that's something also that Meredith is bothered by in Lisa because Meredith is like, if it's wrong, it's wrong. This is not okay. I'm out. I'm disengaged. And Lisa's engaged. <laughs> you know, she's like, I'll be in it on both. I'll figure this out. I'll figure I'm, I'm, I'm always in the middle of it. And Meredith is like that if the energy is going in and the other withdraws, you know, like I'm maybe maybe they represent some sort of sisters to each other where I don't I don't know if Meredith has sisters or anything, but there maybe there was drama that was caused in her family by someone who got involved where Meredith pulled back to make everything okay or not feel it or see it. You know, there's that's a very different response and it's often hard for people to accept different responses you know there's an expectation that we all respond the same way it makes it easier well so yeah let me ask do you have a sense of like what mary is representing to meredith it's a really good question um i don't know how she sees her to be honest did meredith go to her church that one time that whitney did like yeah they go together and she said she had a nice experience yeah yeah i i really can't tell other than I don't know if she represents somebody to her, but I think this is what it feels like right now is the way that Meredith got exposed unintended, you know, like she didn't know what she was going to have exposed. There's a way that Mary right now has the potential to be exposed in something too. So maybe she represents Mm. in some way this, this vulnerability Mm. of exposure. Well, that makes sense. Like even just going back to the one moment I mentioned where Mer- where Meredith was saying, you can't just put these things out in the universe. I mean, yeah. it makes so much sense if you look at it through the lens of what I was speaking to about yeah, Meredith's embarrassment, you know, her shame. Yeah. You don't say these things on camera unless you know where this this is going to mean something. And I, I think she represents her, you know, like the part of her that had stuff on camera that she wasn't ready to have exposed to the whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and which again goes right back to my point of, I, yeah, I feel like it's easier for her to defend other people than it is to, to just defend herself. defend herself. Yeah, 
It's a way for her to say, this isn't cool Mm -hmm. that you guys are talking about this shit when you don't know for sure what's going down. If you're going to have these conversations, get your facts straight and then bring it in. Right. And it's almost like she gets so angry at the tea party because the thing she kept saying to them was like, you know, you guys are saying you're her friends. So, you know, essentially have her back or treat her differently. But I feel like the subtext to that is I'm calling out how fake these fucking friendships with Jen are. And what's underneath that is because I'm still so outraged about what this woman did to me. Yeah. And I not what friends do. I, I, I so wonder Piper, like I just wonder if Meredith really had the opportunity and the chance to like sit across from Jen, like push aside the stuff with Brooks, like any of that. And to just say, fuck you for bringing that information out about me my marriage on TV. I just, I, yeah, I just wonder what that would do if that would, yeah, move something in her. It's weird because I don't know why I kind of feel like she has, and maybe it's just because I see it so clearly. So she hasn't said you don't go after my family or no, she does. She says don't go after my family, but she does it in context of like Brooks, you know, and what she said about Brooks. Oh, not, my marriage, not my... Unless I'm forgetting something. That's what I was saying. Like, I, as I think back on it, I'm sort of shocked by how the meat of what Jen revealed really got kind of quickly swept under the rug. Mm. And maybe part of that's because the other women were helping to not make that a focal point of conversation. She played it really cool. Yeah. Like, I'm not phased by what's been brought out. I'm just pissed that... Jen would betray me but what I'm bringing in and maybe I'm completely misremembering it but what I'm bringing in is no I actually think you were faced by what Jen brought out Mm -hmm. enough so to figure out like where this is all coming from because later like she was trying to dig up dirt Mm -hmm. well let me do one last pivot I am kind of curious now that we've gone on this journey just kind of going back around because we didn't really address it Do you have a sense of Lisa's intention or motivation in bringing Cameron round in the middle of the season? You're just kind of thinking it's production or she greets those wheels. I mean, she introduced him to Meredith and said repeatedly, oh, Meredith's really good friends with Mary. (laughs) I mean, she said it at least three times in their little conversation and she kind of hightailed it out of there. Cameron's mic'd up. Yeah, it kind of feels... In the same way that she's in that middle camp, you know, like, I know this guy, I don't want to be responsible for where this goes, but I want the truth, you know, like, I, something about needing to know, I need to know, I need to know, I need to know, comes in, oh, and, and that's not mine, you know, like, uh-huh. um, Well, it's so interesting, too, because you way up top mentioned her need to be in control, which I think is so interesting. And it makes so much sense in terms of what the other women are noticing about how she'll have information and then she'll kind of parse it out, which they interpret as her trying to get other people to do the dirty work, which may have truth in it in terms of what you're saying right now. But I also really feel it as like, Yeah, I'm the one who has the information. I dole it out. 
And again, to what you were speaking to earlier, I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the one who's friends with everyone. I'm in the middle of everything. I have the full, I, I can see the hand. I'm keeping it close to my chest. You all don't get to see the hand because this is, yeah, this is where I have control. Again, I just keep going back to her saying, I believe Cameron 100%. So I'm just like, if you believe Cameron 100%, why have you been friends with Mary this whole time? And I, I just don't, you know, it just threw me for a loop. But if we look at it from this point of view of, um, I want to see all sides of things. There are things going on here. I want to get a lay of the land. And then to your point, yeah, it feels like there are things that should be brought out in the place where, yeah, I'm playing both sides. I don't want to be the one to do it. Let me just sort of get through this with my hands as clean as possible, being as good a friend as I can to everyone. Do you have a sense, like, if Lisa Barlow were to take a stand, like, rather than greasing the wheels, were to come on second season and just say, Mary, I have this friend Cameron. Excuse me. Mary, I have this friend Cameron. You did some fucked up shit to him. I'm not cool with it. What do you, What? where does that take her? Why would that be difficult for Lisa Barlow? What's that experience like for her? <laughs> Have you seen Mary's eyes? <laughs> well, okay, but I mean, Mary aside, I mean, I just mean in principle this notion of not, you know, not talking out of both sides of your mouth of like, kind of like with Meredith, like taking a stand, being direct. I don't know if the part of her that is in the middle really believes Cameron all the way. She says that she does oh, that's interesting. out one side of her mouth, but... Because when she's sitting with him, you know, she's in it. She's understanding his experience. She can feel him that he feels betrayed or whatever it is. So she's there. I believe him 100%. But then when she's with Mary, she's like, I can't confront her when I don't actually know whether or not this is true, even though with him, why would he say these things? So I think it's a bit of confusion about what the truth actually is i i don't i don't even really know what happened so i don't i I, you know this is all just hypothetical of course in in the spirit of your question but i think it has something to do with that middle ground that she doesn't quite know which i i wouldn't be able to say that to you mary if i didn't know for sure that's what you did well what about then Let's just say she's not going to go in saying, like, you did this stuff, but just to have a frank conversation of, hey, you know, I've got this friend. I guess just to answer my own question, I just keep kind of this thing about Lisa not being potentially not walking the middle. It really it does feel like somehow like that's where she feels like she could be attacked, you know, somehow. It's Mm. like if I'm not Mm -hmm. walking the middle, if I'm taking a side. No, you know what? It's weird. As I just suddenly felt into it, it's like I agree with you. There's something in her. I agree with you. There's something in her that wants to see all sides. I don't know. I like that about her. Yeah, I just really felt that. It's like I don't want to play the blame game. I want to see all sides. But it's interesting because I think that in and of itself can be a position. And I almost if feel she like stated it. That's what I'm saying. And I'm saying that's that's almost the position she's not 
taking. And that's what I mean when I say I feel like, oh, this is where I could be attacked. Um, That's where I see Meredith's huge issue with her. But it's interesting because like I hear the words like, yeah, it's I'm hearing words that Lisa has actually said. I'm hearing the words of like, don't attack me for who I am. But it's almost like, oh, my God. I don't know. This is going into the drain. Um, I feel like so Lisa feels like if she takes the position of I'm walking the middle. This is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I see. This is where I could get attacked. There's a way in which I could get attacked for who I am. So because of that, I'm not going to fully commit and own to what I'm doing. And instead, I'm going to do it in this way that kind of I talk out of both sides of my mouth. I'm sort of loyal to everyone, but to no one. Like there's a way in which I do it where, yeah, it's more about me being in control and never having to reveal my hand rather than me kind of showing up in my intention to hold space, to have this opinion, to have that opinion, to be true here, to be true there. And so because there's a way that she walks with it, where she is playing both sides of the fence, people get pissed at her, which then makes her feel attacked for who she is. So in her in her unconscious method of avoiding this experience of I'm going to be attacked for who I am, I end up creating a situation where I feel like I'm attacked for who I am. Mm-hmm. Listen to that, Lisa Barlow. <laughs> you, if you really take ownership of this place, it can be a very powerful place for you. It's interesting. Oh, Lisa. <laughs> oh, Lisa. I'm just, I'm like, did we just circle the drain or did we get somewhere? <laughs> That's a really good question. Is it, it possible does, to get anywhere with this crew? It feels like this conversation was in some way reflective of the way that it feels. Like, I don't really feel like I know them any better. I don't feel like I, like, everybody has that sense of mask and, like, all the complication that's underneath. I think they're a very complicated group. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I was telling you before we recorded, It's I had no impulse to kind of do prep work for this of, like, dropping in beforehand because I just... It's too much, man. It's like too overwhelming. I, I I wouldn't even know where to start. It feels so, as you said, it feels very complicated. Um, but I do think, you know, sometimes what happens with these episodes, I remember um, I did an episode about uh, the last season of Real Housewives in New York. And there was a way in which it ended up feeling like difficult in the same way that the season felt difficult. And it was helpful for me to understand like, oh, this is the energy of the season, you know? And that's kind of like what this feels like, you know, it's like, it's almost for me, I guess what I'm saying is for me, there's almost a relief or power in naming this experience of we're circling around a drain without ever going in it. And that sort of becomes its own. Yeah. It's kind of its own sort of character quality in the show. And then I think just to bring it back to what you were saying that you feel that it's also in some ways reflective of, you know, certain systems and structures that are in place in Salt Lake city. So I guess it all makes sense. Yeah. It might be interesting, Jamie, to maybe reach out to your audience at some point and have them ask specific questions for you, you know, to Mm -hmm. drop into, um, that might, I, I would love to know what, um, your audience is is seeing and, and experiencing around this because it is so complicated and sort of like there's, like you said, that layer of 
circling that happens is a character in itself. Mm-hmm. And you almost have to address that as well as, you know, each person's connection to that, whatever that field holds there. Well, it's interesting you say that because I've really been thinking about setting up a phone line to have people oh, like I think that would be super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Call and either you could share, you know, things that you realized about yourself or, you know, cause I get DMS and messages all the time from people talking about like, Oh, I realized this or, you know, this hit me in a certain way. Or yeah, if you have specific questions, the more specific, the better. So maybe, maybe I'll take that as a cue. You're saying that as a cue from the universe to just set up the phone line. And if I've set it up, yeah. I'll maybe add a little tag to this episode. And here is the tag. So I have gone ahead and I have created a URL where you guys can leave me a voicemail. I'm going to put the link for the voicemail in the show notes. And depending on where you're listening to this, you should be able just to click through on your phone. But I'm also going to leave you the URL here as well. You just go to chat slash deep dive and of course deep dive is all one word so once again that's say hi dot chat slash deep dive i'd love to hear from you so anything that's coming up for you if you have questions that you want me to explore on this podcast either related to the housewives or psycho spiritual topics if you have questions about anything that's been discussed on these shows if there are things that have come up for you and just in terms of your own awarenesses for yourself and your life and your feelings and you want to let me know Anything that you are inspired to share, I would love to hear it. I love the community that's been built on Instagram, and I've always had a vision of this being a community of seekers and deep thinkers and people who are doing the work. So like I said, go go check out sayhi.chat slash deep dive if you feel compelled to share something with me, and let's see where this wants to go. Okay, tag's over now. Yeah, I think it would add a nice texture to this particular franchise um, since they are so elusive in being able to really tap into something. All right. Well, are we officially throwing that out there that there's going to be, <clears throat> I mean, we have a while because the season's not over and then there's the reunion, but maybe there can be a season end episode where we take people's specific, I'm going to be very, <laughs> the more specific, the better. Because I know sometimes when I when I open up to questions, I get really kind of general stuff like you know i don't know like what's going on with mary i mean which is fine I'm, i don't want anyone to feel judged or criticized for their questions but you know for the basis of conversation and dropping into things it's just helpful you know for things to be specific yeah, yeah. like how you were asking why is lisa not confronting mary <laughs> directly maybe i'll come up with some questions for you oh yeah you should come up with questions for sure Okay. All right, Piper. Well, thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your insight. Is there any last anything you need or want to say to feel complete in this conversation? No, thank you so much. It's always fun with you. Okay, guys, as always, follow me on Instagram. If you don't already, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. And you can go to my website, hollywoodreadings.com if you're interested to know more about my work and that's all for now i'll see you guys next time bye